Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today, I am joined by Anthony Steers on Focus on Why. Hello, Anthony. How are you doing? Hello, Amy. I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, great way to start the year. Well, it is. And by the time this episode comes out, it'll be two months down or so already. And for those listening in the future, it's been several years. So welcome. (laughs) Well, I have to say it's been a long time coming. I'm an avid listener. We've known each other through the PSA for quite a while. So it's, uh, it's a pleasure to actually finally get to come on. Well, you have the benefit of knowing what's coming because a lot of people come on the show and they've never listened to an episode and it takes them by surprise because I don't think they quite understand what the show's really about in terms of how I I speak with you and, and what sort of questions we go through. So, yeah, you, you've got a, a bit of a heads up on that. Well, I, I listen to a few different ones and they do go in very different directions. So I'm slightly nervous, to be honest with you, but it's <laughs> I, but it's lovely to do an interview that you is different from all the others where people just aren't asking me the same old questions that I get for work. So. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm actually almost quite interested to see what what I say today. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to come out? Well, we start off with a really easy question and that just sort of ease you in gently. And that's just to say, what is it you're doing at the moment? Oh, at the moment, I am working from home like everybody else. Uh, I'm going to take this quite literally. And being well, halfway through uh, sort of January at the moment, I know by the time this comes out, it's going to be February. Things are starting to, uh, people have woken up off the back of New Year, which is quite nice. Diaries starting to fill up, could obviously be busier, but I always say that anyway. But yeah, there seems to be quite a bit of positivity around. Uh, but lots of people I was talking to in the build up to Christmas had this feeling we were going to go into another lockdown. And I think that's what stopped quite a few people's diaries filling up for January, February, like they would normally. But as we seem to get out the other side, yeah, things, things are very positive. And I've got, I've got some plans for this year. Now I'm, um, I've not, I've stepped down from my PSA presidency thing at London. So I've got a little bit more time to focus on my business, which is going to be fun. Yeah, it's a constant, always something to do with the presidential role. And having just taken it on myself, I do appreciate how much work you must have put into that. So let's hear a bit more about your plans. What is it you're doing? Well, obviously, like most members in the PSA, we all want more speaking gigs. They are the, uh, the the icing on the cake. In fact, they're probably the cherry on top of the icing on on the cake for many of us. And I've started. I've got a few of them booked in already this year, which is fantastic. I'm developing. I last year I developed a couple of new programs for training. Uh, one that I really enjoyed around client retention, which went really well with the clients. So I'm quite keen on turning that into a mini case study, so I can replicate that with with some other clients. Um, and then my goal this year 
is after our Christmas PSA event, I sat with uh, Julie Holmes, who's a very good friend of mine, and she is all about pivot to product. Um, so I'm going to create a video style of product um, this year that will be a nice um, sort of low value one where people can get access to some of my really great stuff without the corporate rates that usually come with it. So quite looking forward to that. Yeah. Fantastic. And you're talking about more speaking gigs and you're talking about developing new programs from a training perspective. How different are your different hats with training and speaking? It's a really interesting one because in the PSA, I remember when I joined, somebody asked the question of what's the difference between a trainer and a speaker. And the speaker on stage quite arrogantly said, it's a zero on your fee and basically suggesting that trainers don't earn as much as speakers. Uh, for the right speaking event, they're fantastic. And I suppose the approach you tend to take is you become more of a storyteller. Your slides tend to be more visual so that they're more relevant. That you don't want to distract people when you're on stage, but it's great to use some visuals to help them kind of get in the, mo uh, in the moment of, of the story that you're telling. Whereas with training, um, I suppose my... my counter response to the snobby speaker who looks down on trainers is I love training now, obviously speaking is great getting a round of applause or if even if you get a standing ovation that's amazing but what really makes my heart sing is when you actually work with somebody over time and then you get the feedback as they start to embed what you've taught them and that it starts to make a massive difference and that's the thing that really kind of makes my heart sing and the interesting thing with that is a couple of years ago, I put myself on, I like to put myself on little workshops and keep keep myself uh, sharp. I did a workshop with Susan Armstrong, who's a bit of an expert or the expert as far as I'm concerned with instructional design. So it's sort of adult learning programs. And I realized that actually building training programs is really cool and really fun. So knowing the model that you would use to do that yeah, it, it's different because you need people to to go and experience uh, the advice that you're giving or help them come up with their own plan. Then they need to go and implement it and then come back and review, which you can't do as a traditional speaking gig, I suppose. Now, you described your work as being really cool and fun. Has that been the aim for you since you sort of evolved into this career or has this just happened? I mean, how, how, is, how have you made your work really cool and fun? Because that's what everyone's goal is, surely. It's, it's funny because some of my friends sort of say to me, you're the telephone assassin. That sounds so cool. What is it you do? Um, and obviously, yeah, I, I've written a book and I deliver training, but I tend to play it down. I just say that I, I teach people good manners and advanced common sense. Um, but it gets packaged up as either sales training or, or, or customer service um, type training. But really, I just try and teach people to be polite enough that people want to talk to you and understand the emotional journey you've got to take somebody through before they're going to take action and do something as a result of speaking to you. But I, I appreciate that I'm very lucky because before COVID, it was lovely. We were traveling. I was in a couple of hotels each month. At least one of them was a really nice hotel. As, don't get me wrong, there's my fair share of travel lodges and premier inns and all that kind of stuff, and I like them, okay? But uh, and, it, and it feels kind of glamorous, I'll be honest with you, particularly when you go to bigger audiences, you're the celebrity for the day, basically, when you turn up. And it is cool and it's fun, but you, along with that, comes the pressure of delivering. And as you 
become better at what you do. I've been in the PSA for sort of eight odd years now. I've gradually got more confident and I charge more and more and I'm comfortable in the amount that I charge, but it also puts a lot of pressure on me because you know that the client wants great value for what you're giving them. So um, it's interesting though. My friends often say to me, oh, do you get nervous when you go on stage? They always kind of go, oh, do you get nervous? I couldn't imagine doing that for a job. And I always say that I'm not really nervous, but I'm a bit anxious. I'm not nervous because I know what I'm doing. I say the same stuff over and over again and, and people seem to kind of like it and it just rolls off the tongue. Um, so that side of it, I'm not really nervous, but I'm anxious because I want them to like it. And not only like it, but I've, I want them, to, I want them to take something away that's useful. Because as far as I'm concerned, I, I listen because I want to learn something. It's, it's great seeing some of the big inspirational speakers and then tell you their journey and, and you kind of get get kind of in on the moment but for me it's those little practical kind of takeaways and that's what I want to try and make sure people get from my sessions because it's it's, it's not rocket science I'm not the smartest uh, cookie that's for sure um, I've just got quite good manners <laughs> so so when did this telephone assassin creation become were you just did you sort of wake up one morning and that was it you just had turned into the telephone assassin well i i'm gonna blame my one of my managers when i first one of my first jobs when i left school i knew i was going to go into sales um basically my dad said i've got the gift of the gab um sales is a really good thing for me so i thought the biggest what's the biggest commission i could earn that's what i was thinking uh, and please don't hold it against me but i was an estate agent I thought selling houses, big commissions. I'm going to, I got a company car. It was fantastic. Um, and it was actually my boss, a lady called Jane. Um, and she was brilliant. Um, she kind of warned me about some of the other um, negotiators in the office of who I perhaps wouldn't want to get too close to. She, she told me a phrase once that if it's hard to soar like an eagle, if you surround yourself with turkeys, which I really liked. Um, but I remember I uh, worked my way up. I'd broken some sales records. I started to do valuations. And I remember going to value a house over in Ascot. Um, and it was the biggest, most expensive house I'd valued at this point. Um, uh, and I remember going to, as I went to the house, it had a kind of in and out drive. And one of my competitors who happened to own his, his own uh, independent agent, he was driving off the drive in his Jaguar. And I'm pulling up in my uh, Astra that I'm really chuffed with um and as for those that have seen pictures of me or have met me you you would agree that I'm rather youthful back then I looked extremely young um and I remember as I was leaving um I, I usually get on really well with clients I got on quite well with both of them uh but I was the honest one I I valued it the lowest out of everybody because I wasn't just trying to win it by overvaluing it um as i left a very lovely elderly couple she sort of thanked me for the for for my time and just before he shut the door he went what does that kid know and that was the last thing i heard was what does that kid know and i'm it sort of rang in my ears the whole way back to the office and i got back to the office and jane my manager said so when's it coming on and i said oh we're not going to get this one and she said, why? And I explained to her what happened. And I said, literally, as I left, he, before he shut the door, he said, what does that kid know? And he shut the door. She said, well, I suggest you prove, you prove you're not a kid before you get there next time. And I went, brilliant idea. How do I do that? She went, that's what you've got to figure out. And what I ended up learning was whenever I did a valuation appointment, 
I would, if I didn't book the appointment myself, because other people used to book them into the diary, I'd always book, I'd always have at least a 10, 15 minute call with the owners before I met them. Uh, and what, what started to happen was as I turned up for my appointment, people would go, oh, wow, you're younger than I expected. And my age became a bit of, uh, it didn't really become an issue anymore. Um, And I could take that as a compliment as opposed to you look young, what do you know? Um, So what she really taught me was if you can have a really good conversation with somebody on the telephone, they start to build up a picture. They're going to start to like you and trust you. If you can do some groundwork and take some comparable properties with you and even and even look up some properties that they might be looking for in their search area. The more stuff you can do to help them out shows that you're knowledgeable, that you're kind, that you're generous. Um, And that's how I used to win people over. You start to win them over before you get there so that by the time they meet you, they already like you. And I suppose that's that's where the notion of using the telephone to win people over first came into my life and into my job. Um, but it was working with a company called Green Lane Solutions, one of my favorite clients uh, in my early days. I used to spend a couple of days a week in the office with him. Um, and I always used to ask him for my for a wish list rather than a database uh, and he was somebody, I think he was the, the one of the first people to refer to me as his little telephone assassin. And then another client mentioned it. And I mentioned to him that they had said that same phrase and he knew I was writing a book. And he said, well, that's the name for your book then, isn't it? Um, and it kind of stuck, if I'm honest with you. And um, yeah, it was uh, yeah a little bit James Bondy, I suppose. And I'm a I love James Bond. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that 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 kind of helped nudge me in that direction. But um, but, yeah, I suppose that's how it came about. Uh, Jane Matthews, it was. She was fantastic. Uh, one of my manager at uh, Man & Co. Many, many years ago. Well, it's funny, isn't it, how how someone acts as a mentor without even being known as one or or, or even fulfilling that role on a on a official basis. But uh, you were saying that you work with good manners and and advanced common sense that's what you're sort of teaching here or training here and and yet it seems to just come naturally for you yeah well it's it's an interesting one because I I want to know why how have I managed to do this or why how has this sort of skill come about um and the only thing I can put it down to and I actually chatted with um Linda Shaw about this, who I know was on your show a little while ago. Uh, And what was quite interesting is I have two older sisters. um, And when I was about eight years old, my parents split up and we live with my dad, but I have my two sisters. Uh, I still saw my mum quite a lot, but basically my two older sisters looked after me and my dad was at work quite a lot. And what Linda put it down to was I kind of learned my communication style from females which is why I'm relatively good at listening. And I can tend to pick up on the emotional side of what's being said. So rather than being, I'm going to be a bit stereotypical here, men are from Mars, women from Venus, right? We're quite practical, logical. That's typically how my brain works. Um, And I think a lot of men, we tend to skim listen, a bit like skim reading sometimes. Whereas I always say women are better on the phone than men because you tend to pick up on the emotional side of what's being said, which then raises the question of, oh, really? Oh, God, that that must be really hard or or that way to then empathize with somebody. Um, So I I think the reason that I'm good, I'm 
would probably have to credit my my sisters for. Um, but my dad is somebody who I often say was when I was younger, there was something that he used to do that used to annoy me. But I'm actually grateful for it now because I understand it a bit more. Um, but sometimes my dad used to pause before answering questions. And, and, and I, I remember used to th I remember thinking, oh, you're just trying to dumb it down. So I understand it. Come on, just tell me, just tell me the answer. And actually, he was just trying to think of a way to explain it in a way that I understand. And maybe that kind of rubbed off. And that's where I tend to be quite good with people is I can sort of get in their mind about what they're worried is going to happen. So in a conversation, because we all have to deal with tricky conversations, whether it's with our family or clients or staff or or whatever um yeah I, I don't know I just I think it's kind of fluke I I, <laughs> I don't want to swear on here okay and I won't swear but my wife uh fills out some of my speaker forms and things when I produce she does a lot of stuff for me in the business here um and when it asked uh what languages I speak she'd put English she'd put a little bit of Spanish because I do a tiny bit of Spanish and then she put I was fluent in bull crap I'm afraid sorry I swore there um but she just said like for me sometimes it just sort of rolls off the tongue and I find it when I'm coaching clients, I'll, they'll explain a situation and I'll go, oh, well, but if they say that, then I would just say, da, 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 da. and they go, oh, say that again so I can write it down. And I think I, I wasn't really paying attention. It just kind of, I sort of got the gift of the gab. And I think the reason why I'm such a speaker is because I'm a terrible writer. And that was my gremlin from school is my English wasn't brilliant. My reading was terrible. Um, I'm dyslexic. So when I actually wrote my book, I was over the moon. I nearly sent one to my old English teacher. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think if I talk long enough, I won't have to write anything down. Although having said that, I make loads of notes in all the conversations that I have in the deck with everybody that you speak to when you talk to lots of people, you have to make lots of notes. So I've got a day book and I try and write things down. And I feel like I'm going off on a tangent here. I, I like I say, it's quite, um, yeah, I think, I think the main reasons why I do what I do, I can, I can blame on my first manager, uh, my dad, my sisters. I think they've kind of pushed me in that direction. And with the advent of other technology, Anthony, do you mm -hmm. see the telephone being used less or do you see it as being a tool that people will start to use again in the in the same way they used to? Well, their mobile phone is always in their hand. So people definitely use their phones more. The problem is, is half the time they're looking on somebody else's timeline or they're, they're on social media, they're getting a bit distracted. Um, I do genuinely think that the art of conversation is dying with some people and that's why lots of people have relatively limited vocabularies and yeah quite often if you're angry or you've got to have an awkward conversation with somebody or you've got to give bad news um it's easier to put it in a text message or a whatsapp or an email and do it that way and not have to deliver it and see how somebody reacts um and i know everybody has at least one person that they're putting off calling and whether that's a work-related thing or quite often a member of their family 
um and yeah everybody's got somebody that they worry about phoning and i yeah i i just want to get people talking again really i think technology is fantastic please don't get me wrong um we now have access to so much information um and that's what in business and sales is actually what what helps people on the telephone is you do some research beforehand if we now live in a world where a lot of people overshare and you can find out a lot about somebody before you even phone them so if you do some research you probably know some pretty likely topics that are going to catch their attention or that they're interested in or that you could relate to um and in the world of business the info i would say information is ammunition really um you want you want somebody to like you the best thing to do is to tell them what you know about them and what what impresses them i love to say to people oh amy i'm i'm actually on your linkedin profile at the moment i can't believe you've been doing this for this many years that you used to work for so and so oh my god and i looked at some of your testimonials i i just wanted to check we're okay to connect could you imagine if somebody said that on their first thing just gushing about your profile and how credible you are Okay. Don't get me wrong. I'm not about manipulating people and stuff like that. I suppose I am in the world of sales and it's not really about manipulating people. I always say it's about helping people to buy. Um, a lot of my stuff gets classed as sales training, but I always say it's, it's not about yeah, selling. It's about helping people to buy. And the best way to do that is to help them find the right questions to ask to decide whether or not they want to buy it and it's a good fit. So I'm just intrigued, Anthony, about the whole concept that you had to find a strategy early on to prove your credibility because you appeared younger in person when when meeting you. So actually, you know, your, your youthful looks served you in, in the way that you then had to present this different persona so that people wouldn't make judgments. Yeah, I. So I work for for Man and Co or Countrywide, which is the, at the time they're the biggest estate agency group in Europe. They owned Rightmove, okay. And despite the fact that they paid the le- the the smallest amount out of all of the four agents who offered me jobs, the reason that I took it was because they had a training program. They taught me how to negotiate. They taught me photography. Okay, they taught they taught me some really useful skills um, that really were, was the reason that I kind of chose them and wanted to work for them. And it then meant that I knew I had a big brand behind me. Um, but so, in fact, thinking about it now, back then I had a bit of a thing for Hugo Boss suits. So I used to really like smart designer suits. I'd wanted to look sharp when I used to turn up. Yeah, I'd looked like a teenager i used to get id to buy cigarettes at the garage still that's how young i looked it was terrible okay um and i I said i get asked this on stage as well if i have like a persona is there like a telephone assassin persona and i they're sort they're kind of is i suppose or when i first started being known as the telephone assassin i joined the psa okay um i always wore a three-piece suit okay Terrible. I look like a waiter in most hotels. People would come and tell me that the milk had run out and things like that. Um, but I wanted to present this really professional image because everybody was like, oh, you're the cold calling guy. You're the sales phone guy, aren't you? And it's like, no, I teach people manners. I show them how to help their customers to buy. I'm actually more about customer service than I am about sales, but whatever floats your boat. <laughs> um, so I suppose I probably 
tried to compensate for the fact that I look young by trying to dress successfully, I suppose. <laughs> Which I've never really said out loud before, but I definitely think that that's, I think we're all a vanity affects us all in, in our own little way, doesn't it? But I think it's definitely one of those things that helped to give me confidence. Um, and then from a mindset perspective, Although I don't wear three-piece suits all the time, there are some traditions that I still do wear. If I'm going to a gig, even if I'm not in a three-piece suit, I know you shouldn't talk about your underwear, but I wear my pink pants. I have my pink socks on. Okay, I might not be wearing the pink tie, but I'm kind of branded through and through, and it just makes me feel like I'm I'm ready to be, to be what I need to be today. Um, but my wife uses this against me. On a Sunday in the morning, she'll go, uh, put your assassin pants on. We've got some gardening to do. Okay, um, so yeah, I, it, I suppose for me, dressing up, um, well not dressing up, but looking smart, even when working from home, uh, thank God people can't see me right now, I suppose I don't look too bad, but um, I went through a phase when I first started working from home many, many years ago of wearing a suit. I wasn't doing video calls and stuff like that really, and I didn't have that many meetings, but it made it makes my posture better. I sit up straight when I've got my jacket on. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't. God, I'm getting, it's getting a bit deep now. Maybe I, maybe I've got more issues than I thought here, Amy. <laughs> well, I, I just want to sort of pull on the thread of judgment and how it's affected your the purpose in your work. Hmm. Well, I, I think, I think everybody gets a bit of imposter syndrome every now and then, and I think as speakers, it's almost a monthly thing. Um, and you do have things that happen that really do knock your confidence. Or um, I remember uh, I'd, I'd gone, this is again, way, well before COVID, I'd gone three months without doing a proper speaking gig. And then when I got one in, I was really nervous. And it was like, come on, you've done dozens and dozens, you've done hundreds of these. It's been three months. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think everybody's confidence sort of bounces up and down. But that's why it's great to have mastermind buddies and mastermind groups people that can kind of pick you up a little bit but also some sometimes you need a cuddle sometimes you need a kick up the backside and I think I've I surround myself with people who I think know me well enough to go okay you're making excuses here fella just get that done I'll speak to you on Friday and you can show me what it's done right just and and I, and I, and I kind of sometimes need that I think yeah, for sure. I mean, mastermind groups are incredibly powerful to for the different reasons of accountability, or as you say, the the drive. But you're you're a driven person. You've got a plan. You've got several plans this year because you've got more time, which is great. What's the long term plan? What's the the sort of the legacy? Other than you've already created a book, which will outlive you, which is fantastic. Yep. What else is there? What what else is the purpose um, drive? I suppose for me the and it sounds really egotistical when I say this is, and I had to explain this to a couple of people when I joined mastermind groups a few years back, I've got no real goal or drive to set up a big call center filled with assassins. I don't want people to outsource their business to me. That's not what I was trying to do. What I was really trying to do was position myself as a real expert so that I could charge more for doing what I do so I could do less of it. Um, which is where a lot of people in the PSA want to get more speaking gigs. Okay, if we can get paid speaking gigs, that is fantastic. Uh, and, and when you're on a roll and you're in with the bureaus, you only need one five grand gig every month and anything else over that, you could pick and choose what it is you want to do. Um, but 
I still love training, so I'm always going to do training. So I think the next thing for me is to, um, like I say, actually go down the product route where I can start to create lower value items that everybody can get access to that could create a revenue stream that doesn't require me swapping time for money. Um, and that way, uh, I it takes less pressure off me for having to deliver more of the training and the speaking. Um, but I think I always want that that blend. Um, but more more recently, um, I've worked with a couple of clients who um, we're now talking about some sort of train the trainer stuff. Whereas, so I might start looking as an evolution of the year-long programs that I've delivered with a handful of clients, year two of that can then be a train-the-trainer that then leaves ambassadors and people within that business to be able to carry on the techniques and the, the structures and stuff that you've helped them set in place. Um, and then that way you can move on to the next one. The client isn't then dependent on you forever going on. But, um, yeah, I... I yeah, that, that's where my head's going at the moment. And uh, like all speakers, I've got a book bubbling as well. So I'd, I'd really like to get that out this year. Um, so yeah, products, yeah, I suppose products, products and products, a book, yeah, at least a book and at least one video product, if not more, um, by the end of this year, along with my, my training and speaking, I'll be quite, quite happy. So it's working smarter, not harder. It's not an empire that you're looking to create. It's a lifestyle business. Yeah, yeah, it's a lifestyle business. Although my aspirations on lifestyles seem to get higher and higher each year. So, uh, yeah, but at the end of the day, I think uh, we all go to work uh, to to pay for our lifestyle, right? So, but yeah, I, I, I'm not looking really at the moment to do uh to, to get associates or, or people that are delivering my training or anything along those lines it's yeah yeah i'm honest with you as soon as you start bringing people into the business that's where it gets complicated and then usually people call me in to have that awkward conversation with them as well so um yeah <laughs> thinking simple is better I, i'm looking forward to working quite close with my wife this year because um without the pressure of of the PSA it means that we can do some good projects together which should be fun again the fun element pops its, itself in there yeah I think if it's not fun I think if, if it's a drag that you, you put off doing it and my wife kind of keeps me on my toes a little bit which is which is nice um but yeah I think we've all got to have fun at work right I hear you I don't know you you get to have some quite deep conversations with people but generally there's always I can hear the smiles in the conversations right absolutely and you know part, part of what I do gives me great fulfillment and and that for me is everything for you what's the fulfillment piece in your work um I love getting testimonials and thank you phone calls and messages um yeah whether it's a voicemail an email somebody just phoning up to tell me they just landed their biggest deal or they've just booked a meeting with somebody they've been trying to get into for years those little things are the things that will be the highlight of my week um it is yeah I, I think it's just lovely to know you've made a difference to somebody else um and that they remember as well um quite often we get so much coming in as from all different directions 
um, I had somebody quoting something back to me who who works for one of the clients that I've done a lot of stuff for, and, and he was going, and he, he basically gave me the sign. I don't know where I read it, but you need to do this, don't you? And I went, oh, I know where you read that. <laughs> I was like, that was on one of my slides, and that's in my book, isn't it? And he went, is that where it came from? Okay, he went, I've been doing it for like two years, and I forgot where it started. And I was like, well, there you go. I said, to be honest with you, that's almost the best compliment where they 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 don't even think about what they do anymore. Um, and that's the really interesting bit is. The, and, and when you work with companies is the trying to embed some best practice because you're trying to change people's behavior and not just one person's behavior. Usually it's a team or a group of people. Um, and you've got to be clever. You've got to know what you're doing if you're going to get people to change. And that's, that's the kind of exciting, exciting bit, I suppose. Yeah, I love it. And, and you said right at the beginning, it is what makes your heart sing, getting that feedback. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife, unfortunately, um, she said, you can describe all speakers with one word, and that's needy. She says, we're all needy. And I said, well, to be honest with you, I have days where I, I would agree that, yes, I do need that applause or people to tell you how good or useful it was. And uh, yeah, keeps us going for another week or two. And how would you describe speakers in one word? <sighs> Brave brave in the fact that some of them are being very honest and open or and the authenticity bit is the bit that comes across and they're really showing their scars and sharing their story um you get other people who don't really necessarily have that kind of story it's a business thing and they're pitching and i don't like the pitch but i still think that they're brave for getting up there and standing in front of a room full of people so um yeah i think you can be brave and stupid at the same time don't get me wrong um but yeah, I, th I do think it take it takes courage to um, to believe that you have a message that people should hear, and then to have the courage to get on stage and speak your truth. And if I think if you do that, that's yeah, one of the most admirable things. I think I, I love. Yeah, I, I can listen to speakers all day long. There, there are certain ones that just draw you in. Um, but yeah, out of interest, Amy, obviously, you know, lots of speakers. Is there one word that you would use to describe speakers? Yeah. Uh, and for me, it's the diversity. That's what I love about this whole opportunity that I've created here with the podcast is that I get to speak to people from all walks of life and everybody has a unique reason for doing what they're doing. That's what for me, gives great uh, excitement in terms of I turn up and I don't know where a conversation's going to go. Yeah. And so, from my perspective, the diversity in in all of the speakers and all of the guests I have, because not all the speakers, but all of the guests I have on the show, they mm. all have that unique quality of of different drivers. And yeah. some people don't know how, where the origination of of their desire, their purpose came from. And and we sometimes unravel that in the conversation. And that for me, again, you, you really love having the the words of affirmation is it's you thrive on that. I do too. That's my highest love language. I absolutely mm -hmm. love hearing people say, Oh, I've never been asked that question before. Or, you know, that that's what makes me absolutely, as you said today, that's what makes my heart sing. Mm -hmm. And, and when you get the opportunity to share those moments on a podcast, 
that's what I love. That's what this is what this show is about is to give people the platform to shine. Yeah. Well, and, and like you say, you you dig, but you never know where it's going to go. And that's what I love about listening to each each episode is so different. Uh, yeah, it's uh, well, I, I say I, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I think in this podcasting thing, you, you're onto something here, aren't you? <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy. I, who knew that this was going to be my thing? And I certainly didn't know when I started back in 2019 that podca- podcasting was going to be the medium for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say, I think I think I knew as soon as I as soon as we had our conversation and I invited you to PSA London to be on our podca- podcasting panel, and it was brilliant. I have to say, kind of blew my mind and. I I really love, like I say, your podcast is very different from every other podcast in in the fact that they vary so differently in the, the, the diversity of the people that you get on and you kind of do really dig deep, whereas there's some that I listen to and I don't listen to a huge number where they feel like they're trying to shoehorn certain things into it and actually you just let it go and... And then I'll ask some great questions to follow it up. And uh, yeah, I, I, the stuff we've talked about today, I don't think I've talked about a lot of that stuff with other people before. So um, yeah, hopefully interesting and perhaps a bit revealing about me. We'll see. Well, you said it just a moment ago, and it's going to be the title for the episode, which is Speak Your Truth. And for me, that's what you know, you've done today, you've just spoken your truth and, and just let it come out. And it's been an absolute pleasure hearing how you've evolved into this telephone assassin and where it's going to go from now into, you know, the, the gardening assassin, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, now, now the sun's starting to come back out again. I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. But uh, no, I have to say it's, uh, it's been lovely chatting and um, yeah, you've kind of got, you've got me feeling all nostalgic now as well. I've got all sorts of uh, stirred up off of the back of this um yeah thank you thank you for inviting me on oh it's an absolute pleasure and for those who want to know how to get hold of you what's the best way to speak to the telephone assassin well the best way will be to pick up the telephone but for 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 those that are a little bit scared of the telephone assassin you think i don't want to phone him he's the telephone assassin you can look me up on linkedin anthonysteers.co.uk or the telephoneassassin.co.uk or the websites you can find me on facebook just put it into google and i'll and i'll pop up but if you are brave enough to pick up the telephone i don't have a gatekeeper um, and as far as I'm concerned, any listener of Amy's is a friend of mine. Um, so if, you, if I don't answer, leave me a message, say that you were listening to the podcast and uh, leave your details and I will promise to call you back. Um, but if you want to, you can give me a call. So here you go. If you want to write it down. So if you're in the in fact, in case you're outside the UK, it'll be plus four, four and then seven, double eight, seven, seven, nine, eight, zero, double three. Or if you're in the UK, one more time, it's 07887-798-033. I would love to talk to you. Please do give me a call. Fantastic. Well, there it is. So make sure you you get your number down. I'm not going to put it into the show notes so that you don't get loads of prank dodgy calls. But So listen back to this and take note. But all of the other details will go into the show notes. Anthony, again, it's been an absolute delight exploring why you do what you do on Focus on Why. Do you have some final words for the audience, please? Um, I, I, if I'm honest with you, I, 
I, did, I was hoping I was going to have something really clever and inspirational to say at the end. But I think that the main thing I can say after doing this is um, if you haven't chatted with Amy before, I'm not trying to say get in touch with you, but think about your why, because it really does start to stir up lots of things and you start to realise why you do things the way you do it and what's important to you. And actually, you've made me think when I was talking earlier about those calls we put off, I've thought of a couple of very close people who I haven't spoken to for quite a while now. And I'm thinking if they're listening to this, they're going to be thinking you should have phoned me. So uh, I'm going to pick up the phone off the back of this. Yeah. I, I feel like I've, um, I've had a bit of an awakening to my why and uh, a great way to, for, for me, particularly with what I'm doing at the moment to now get me to help focus on what I'm, my next steps are going to be, why I'm doing them and uh, moving forwards. Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcasts five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, Focus on Why.